Hello, I'm Major Adrian Allman. And I'm Captain Claire Allman. Welcome to the Birmingham Citadel Salvation Army podcast series. Birmingham Citadel is a Christian church located in Birmingham City Centre in the UK. This podcast is a recording of the Bible message that is shared during the Sunday worship service. You can now watch our service online through live stream at 10.30am every Sunday morning and can also find our stories and videos on our Facebook page and YouTube channel. It's good to have you share with us and as you listen we pray that God will speak to you. May you know God's abundant blessing today. If you have your book, uh, your Bible still open at Acts chapter 2, jump to the end of the chapter with me as we just look at these verses um, that Claire will be drawing her messages from this morning. We've already had in the opening verses of Acts chapter 2 how the Spirit came. And then we have at the end of chapter 2 the effects of the Spirit in a passage that you'll all be very familiar with. It describes the fellowship of all believers. And it says this, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the apostles' to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. Selling their possessions and goods, they gave to anyone as he had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favour of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. The Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Amen. Well, did you watch the concert last night? It was good, wasn't it? I thought it was anyway. We had some interesting conversations in our house as we were watching it. The girls were asking who the likes of Queen were and uh, Rod Stewart. And we were asking who the likes of Jax Jones and Mimi Webb were. Who, who are they? <laughs> and thankfully, there were one or two acts um, that we both, we all had common ground with that we all knew. And the lights were brilliant, especially when their wristbands were all lit up, weren't they? And it, it, it was dark. It was, it was great. And of course, the Queen and Paddington Bear at the beginning with the marmalade sandwich. Perhaps I might carry a marmalade sandwich in my handbag during the meeting if I get a bit needing some sustenance. I often think that, um, find myself thinking after these great celebrations, that was brilliant, but now what? <laughs> there comes a bit of dis- deflation, doesn't there? And um, I think that might have been the feeling of the disciples after Jesus was resurrected from the dead. He, he stayed around for 50 more days, teaching as much the love, beloved disciples many things. We don't know what he said or did, but there was more to follow from that resurrection, and it changed the lives of those men. Before that time, they were cowards. After then, they were courageous. Before then, they were selfish. After, they were spiritual. Before then, their lives were frustrating and chaotic. After, their lives were focused and centered. Before then, they were saved. After, they were sanctified. Before then, they had the Savior. After, they had the Spirit. What made the difference? It was the Holy Spirit. 
Before Jesus ascended into heaven, he said, Wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. In a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. They did, and they were spectacularly filled. So there could be no doubt that the Holy Spirit came with the sound of a great rushing wind. A ball of fire descended into the room and and separated into tongues of fire that came to rest on them. Then they began to speak in other languages, languages they had never learned. What did it mean? The violent wind represented the power of the Holy Spirit. The fire represented the the purifying nature of the Holy Spirit. The the miracle of speaking unknown languages represented the universal, universal, oh, I can't say that word, of the gift. In other words, the Holy Spirit is a gift for all people, not just the Jews. All who believe by faith may receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. These people in the upper room met the criteria of receiving the Holy Spirit. They believed, they repented and had been baptized and they were living in obedience. The gift of the Holy Spirit is for obedient believers. But the Holy Spirit works in each one of our lives. Even before we're saved, it convicts us of sin. It leads us to righteousness. After we accept Jesus as our Savior, the Holy Spirit teaches us and reveals God's will to us. But you'll never receive that fullness of the Holy Spirit until you surrender completely to God. You'll never know the fullness of the gift until you come into obedience to his will in your life. The Holy Spirit's purpose is to teach and guide us. If you're unteachable, if you won't follow him, how can he do his job? He can't. So before we can possess this gift, the gift must possess us. We must be teachable and coachable and willing. Our theme for these past four weeks has been this question, now what? Not only is it a question that we can imagine the disciples asking after the death and resurrection of Christ, but it's a question we too can ask ourselves after the build-up and the celebration of Easter. Now what? Well, over these past few weeks, we've tried to address that question through the teaching of Jesus. Now what? Be a witness. Now what? Be a disciple. Now what? Be transformational. And this week on this Pentecost, the final answer is, now what? Be the church at Pentecost. But what does that mean? What does that look like for us? When the Holy Spirit came into that room, we talk about the church being born because that was what, what the Spirit then led them to do as a body of believers. We, as a body of believers, need to take as our example today. So let's take some time to look at the church, at what the church at Pentecost looked like. Firstly, the church at Pentecost devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Why do you suppose teaching is the first item listed on this order of activities? Because no matter where the believers are in their spiritual journey, they need nourishment to grow and keep growing. Babies need milk. Adults need solid food. The Bible supplies both. Peter tells us in 1 Peter 2, like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk so that by it it you may grow up in your salvation. Furthermore, he goes on to say in 2 Peter, to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And then, of course, Paul's greatest desire in his letter to the Philippians is that he wants to know Christ. 
The apostles considered the ministry of God's word to be a top priority because it gives substance to our faith. It gives us stability in times of testing. It will equip us to handle the word accurately. It equips us to spot and confront false teaching. It makes us confident in our walk. It calms our fears. On Friday, as I watched the commentary on the BBC prior to the service at St Paul's for the Queen's Jubilee, it was so lovely to hear the likes of Justin Welby and John Sentamu and Robert Lacey speak um, about how important and integral the Queen's faith was to her. And despite her busyness and all that goes on in her life and all that she knows, her knowledge, and all that she has experienced, God's word is the basis of her living. And despite all these things that she has to take in, studying God's word is her best instruction book for life. She says that. She's lived that. Jesus is her best example of living, and she finds that example in God's word. John MacArthur says the church today ignores ignores the exposition and application of scripture at its peril. As the warning of Hosea to Israel suggests, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. The church cannot operate on truth if it's not taught. Believers cannot function on principles they've not learned. The most noble are still those who search the scripture daily. So be the church at Pentecost. We need to be devoted to learning God's word. Do you have a desire to study God's word? Let's be the church at Pentecost. And then the the, the church at Pentecost devoted themselves to fellowship. We've been celebrating this weekend the Queen's Jubilee. And one of the big things that we've been encouraged to do is to have street parties. Seventy years ago, the Queen was crowned. When when the Queen was crowned, it, it wasn't unusual for people to come together in communities and celebrate. They were all friends and family. The, the doors of their homes were open and people just walked in and out of each other's houses. In our country today, community like that is not such a strong emphasis. Even in the church, we live a very individualistic age. We don't know the people who live, live around us so well. We live in a, a physical distance. We live a physical distance away from our friends and families in ways we never used to. But the way we've been encouraged to celebrate this weekend is by coming together as communities, just like they did 70 years ago, and fittingly for the Queen, because it's absolutely biblical. The Lone Ranger mindset was not considered a virtue in the early church. They gathered not only to sing songs and listen to sermons, but to be with one another, to care for and and share with one another. The Greek word for fellowship, koinonia, means a close relationship, everything in common. We do really need each other. We were created to be part of a whole. We are incomplete when we are alone. The Bible in Hebrews 10 says, and it's one of my favorite verses, let's not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another. Let us encourage one another. In the early church, it was policy to always go by twos. You see Paul partnering with Timothy and and uh, with Timothy and Peter partnering with John. Barnabas with Silas and so on. And it's good to have those partnerships in ministry, whether it's husband or wife or friends or friendship groups. They strengthen us and encourage us to partner in working for the kingdom. 
and hopefully all are never down and encouraged or going through trials at the same time. You know, we get more done. We'd be more enthusiastic. We find our place in the church family more easily when we follow this biblical example. Ecclesiastics 4, of course, says two are better than one because they have a good return for their work. We need each other. We need a brother and sister we are answerable to. We need a small group to belong to, to help us find belonging and spiritual nourishment. Jesus said, for where two or three come together in my name, there am I with them. When he said this, Jesus knew we needed support and encouragement and accountability from a mentor or a spiritual partner. We're not created to be lone wolves or solitary warriors. We're vulnerable when we're alone. Satan is waiting for us to be alone. So why don't you make that happen if it's not already? Ask God to guide you to someone or some people to partner with in your ministry and spirituality and your faith journey. The church at Pentecost devoted themselves to fellowship, to koinonia, to close relationship. Let's be the church at Pentecost. And thirdly, the church at Pentecost, they broke bread together. It's not specifically clear what the act of breaking bread means. Commentaries pretty much say the same thing. It wasn't known if the scripture referred to partaking of the Lord's Supper or it meant that they ate meals together. Most agree that it was probably both. Over these past two weeks since Leroy passed away, it's been so beautiful to watch the community, the village, come together and support the family When I was with Pamela that first Saturday, within an hour of the friends coming to see her, they were cooking food and breaking bread together. It was integral to that fellowship and coming together to care for one another. And this afternoon, we're going to do the same as we share in our Jubilee Pentecost meal together. When we eat together, there's a special bonding. The act of giving and receiving, making ourselves vulnerable, happens when we dine together. Why do you think, when we're getting to know a prospective partner, that we often go out for a meal on a date? There's something about that table that offers security, which in turn allows us to open up and be more honest. We find out what the real person is like. It's amazing what happens when God's people eat together. It's a holy thing that brings them together in in other ways as well. When we share a common meal, it's easier to share common, a common mind, a common materials as well. What we're talking about is sharing our lives together in genuine, honest relationships without masks. Remember the story of Jesus on the Emmaus Road? The two men who were mourning Jesus' death didn't recognize that it was him walking with them until they sat down and ate together. There's an intimacy in each one, in eating with each other, that is very valuable in relationships. We should really do it more often. After Pentecost, the early church broke bread together faithfully. Let's be like them. Let's be like the church at Pentecost. Fourthly, the church at Pentecost devoted themselves to prayer. Jesus taught us to pray daily. Paul taught us to pray continually. Prayer needs to be a continuous part of our life. Some people get up early in the morning to spend their first and best part of the day with Jesus. Some pray before going to bed so their subconscious mind communes with our Heavenly Father all night long. Some talk to God all through the day. I don't think it matters so much as when and how, but that you do it. 
if you need some help with this. I'm a real fan of Lectio 365 app. If you've not downloaded it, I would really encourage you to do it. And I know that there's a number of people here who also use it. But it helps to guide my prayers each morning as well as study God's word. It it takes 10 minutes. But when I do it, I find it so worthwhile to just take that time to be guided in my prayers. You can also join Costa Prayers every Thursday morning at 7.30, although it's no longer at Costa. It's on Zoom, and people bring their own coffee. But anyone is welcome to that. I know it's a crazy time for some to get up, but there's no reason why you can't set up your own prayer group that meets online or in someone else's house or a coffee shop. It doesn't need to be weekly. Or even a simple WhatsApp group sharing prayers and, and prayer points for each other. Prayer is our lifeline. Prayer is the avenue through which God works in our lives. Prayer moves the hand of God. Prayer is the channel by which God sends us strength and guidance and wisdom and every heavenly gift. Is it any wonder that that Satan works so hard at hindering our prayer lives, distracting us, finding other things to do when we should be praying, giving up when a prayer isn't answered? We all recognize that, yes? The church at Pentecost was devoted to prayer. So let's be like the church at Pentecost. And finally, the church at Pentecost devoted themselves to spreading the news of salvation. Jesus said, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses. The primary reason for the the Holy Spirit is to spread the news of Jesus some way, somehow. You need to allow the Holy Spirit to accomplish that purpose. He has given you gifts and, and talents, all to be used for building his kingdom. Are you doing it? Are you letting the Holy Spirit use your life? If you've been following the Thy Kingdom Come resource these past 10 days, one of the main features, as Adrian said, is to pray for five people to come into a relationship with God. And today's reading said this, which I felt was really helpful for for me and for us to think about. It should come up on the, the screen. The Holy Spirit is a gift for all, but he is given personally distinctly to each one. And he is given to each one so that they may in turn be agents of the good news to others. In light of this, how might you next contact with your five show a dependence on the God who speaks through you? Pray. Come, Holy Spirit, give voice to our witness that we might be able to speak the good news in words those around us can understand. What a great prayer. Let me say that again. Come, Holy Spirit, give voice to our witness that we might be able to speak the good news in words those around us can understand. It's Pentecost. And after all the celebration, let's not, in a deflated way, ask this week, now what? Let's ask excitedly, now what? Let's be the church at Pentecost. Let's allow the Holy Spirit to breathe new life into us. And let's be devoted to studying God's word, to fellowshipping with each other, to breaking bread together, praying, to spreading the good news of salvation from sin. And in doing so, let's see God at work in and around us. 
Lord, I just pray for a real tangible infilling of your Holy Spirit today. Fill us with a greater and stronger desire to know you and to share you more by your Holy Spirit at work in us. Now, time of reflection, we're not going to sing. I want you to take this time to not be distracted in prayer, but to listen to a beautiful prayer that we're just going to listen to now and take the words in. Holy Spirit, living breath of God, breathe new life into my willing soul. Let the presence of the risen Lord come renew my heart and make me whole. Cause your word to come alive in me. Give me faith while I cannot see. Give me passion for your purity. Holy Spirit, breathe new life in me. As we listen to this beautiful prayer, allow the Holy Spirit to breathe new life into you. Take this time to not be distracted, but to listen to him to help us be the church at Pentecost. Let's pray as we listen.
abundantly than all that we ask or think according to the power at work within us to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever Amen Holy Spirit you poured yourself out on the people of the early church pour yourself out on us now Holy Spirit, you set their tongues on fire with languages so for us to speak to one another in ways that could be understood. Set our tongues on fire to speak in a different languages and in ways so others may hear the good news about Jesus. Jesus, you said you had to go away so that the Holy Spirit, the Advocate, the Counselor would come and it was so. Come once again, Holy Spirit, as the Advocate that we all need as the counsellor we all need, as the helper we all need. Come Holy Spirit, fan your flames of love and empowerment. Set us on fire for you once again. Bring life into each of our dry bones. Amen. Amen. So be it, Lord. Thank you for listening to our podcast this week. So you don't miss any further recordings, please subscribe to this podcast and also share and review it to help other people find and join our Birmingham Citadel online congregation. This has been a production for Birmingham Citadel Salvation Army in the United Kingdom. If you'd like to know more about us or want to worship with us, then visit our webpage at birminghamcitadel.co.uk.